I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices on Climate Change, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In this series, we hear impassioned stories from those dedicating their lives to help our planet. If you'd like more people to hear these stories, please share this episode with a friend. Today, you'll hear how a man from Brooklyn helped change the power grid for a greener future. I think the companies do have to help. I think we need to innovate. I think we do need new products. But I think people still are going to have to make some sacrifice. This is Lee. When I was young, my family was middle class, maybe lower middle class. And so my focus was, how can I do better than my parents? And that was their focus, too. They wanted me to do better. It wasn't just his parents. Lee had a great relationship with his grandmother as well. She was kneeling down at my level as she talked to me, and I remember she talked to me like I was more of an adult instead of a child. That's the type of image I always carry around of her with me. Because of the way she spoke to him, Lee's grandmother was a great source of inspiration. We were in Brighton Beach, which is where my grandparents lived and my father grew up, and we were in front of a bookcase. Wow, it's amazing that you're asking me this. I'm sorry, I'm getting chills because I haven't had this image for a while. And we were going through the different books and I was very young, probably five or six, but she was taking out adult books and telling me to read them and that I was very smart and that I would understand them and get a lot out of them and that I would use that knowledge to help the world. Lee had an internal drive to succeed. And though he didn't know how to help the world yet, it was always in the back of his mind that he could do it. And I remember when I was young, that is what I wanted. And I kept thinking, how can I do something different and important that can help people and change the world? But as I got into my career, of course, I think like most people, I started focusing on my career. So promotions became very important to me. Getting big raises became important. 25 years ago, Lee got the opportunity to work at a utility company in San Diego. By this point, he had a wife and two daughters to think about. The money was good, the promotion was good, the opportunity was good, and it was beautiful, and my family loved it. And while I had some second thoughts, my family was firmly in favor of moving. So they did. Lee worked hard, but what was driving his hard work was the way he defined success. To get promotions and stock options and bonuses. Until one day, (laughs) my wife was busy doing something. So I took my daughters, they were probably six and four at this time. And I took them to work with me on a Saturday and they had hot chocolate and I gave them markers and they drew pictures, which I still have. It's 20 years later. And they behaved so well, I wanted to take them for a treat. So before taking them for ice cream, I took them to the top of the building and we looked over at San Diego together. Looking down on San Diego at dusk, as the light started to come on, Lee's daughter, Sheena, asked, Dad, what do you do for a job? I would always tell my kids when they asked, Dad works in computers. I don't know what inspired me, but because the lights were coming on, I said that Dad helps ensure that lights come on for everybody that lives in San Diego. That's where I realized that I was doing more than making money, than worrying about my own family. What I did really, really mattered to millions of people. And that really changed my perspective. And from then on, I carried that idea with me that a job can be more than making money, than getting promotions. A part of Lee, the part his grandmother started nurturing back in Brighton Beach, began to reawaken. 
A few years later, we had fires here in San Diego. But because he was in charge of the computer infrastructure, he couldn't evacuate. Doing so would mean a loss of communications and power for the city. Instead, he had to go into work, towards the fire. I remember the white ash falling on my car as I kept getting closer and closer. And there was tons of traffic going the other way and I didn't have any traffic. I was the only car going in my direction. The fear was there, but overridden by a sense of responsibility. And it's really interesting to feel that way because I never considered myself a person of courage. It's in tough and dangerous times like these, you see otherwise everyday people performing great acts of courage. It's that sense of purpose that drives us beyond our perceived limitations. And I don't want to give the impression that it was just me. There, there were a team of people from all the organizations of the company. There was a person, um, someone that works in the field. They were following the fire people as they were putting out the fire and reinstalling poles so that we could get our customers energy as soon as the fire was cleared from an area. And one of the gentlemen, he had lost his home. His home had burned down. So again, I don't want to make it about me, but it's special to me because it was when I discovered in myself this need to serve others and how important that was. Unfortunately, wildfires became ever more common around the area. In 2007, yet another wildfire ripped through the state. When it happened that time, what drove it was 100 mile an hour winds, which were only supposed to happen once every 50 or 100 years. And our system at the utility wasn't built to withstand that kind of wind speed. We are getting things that aren't supposed to happen ever or once every 100 years that are now happening every few years. I very much realized, wow, this really is climate change. And so at that point, I started making calls. Not quite sure which direction to go, Lee found himself speaking to an executive coach provided by the company. But part of those sessions ended up being me showing him why it was so important that we integrate renewables, ensure that electric vehicles could get charged, and how climate change was such a risk to all of us. But at one point, he said to me, you know, Lee, you're so invested in this and you're so into the details. And as your mentor for promotion, I'm telling you, if you want to get promoted, you need to be less involved and you need to be more of an executive. I looked at him and I said, I'm so excited by what I'm doing and it's so important. I don't feel like I need to get promoted anymore. I have enough, I have a sense of enough, and I would rather do what people need me to do and what the world needs me to do. As we talked more, I remembered my grandmother and I remembered how that was my mission when I was younger, that I always wanted to do the right thing and to help people and not focus on money and to do something big and important. And so I really felt like I finally was Lee. With Lee feeling like he was who he was supposed to be, he set about making changes. About that time, somebody on my team talked to me about this concept called the smart grid. And that's where you add technology to the grid in order to make it more efficient, more safe, more reliable. This got his mind going. He heard an engineer complaining about solar, saying how integrating solar with the grid was difficult and causing a lot of problems to the business. And so that became my mission, 
I started talking to everybody in the company about how we can change the grid to make it easier for people to have renewables and to have electric vehicles and other things that would help combat climate change. But this was the mid-noughties. A lot of people didn't believe that there would be a high percentage of renewables on the grid. They did not think people would ever want to put panels on their rooftops. They thought electric vehicles would never make economic sense, that batteries could never get cheap enough, and that people would never abandon internal combustion engines. It was difficult to convince people, but I got most of the executive team on board, and I got most of the engineers and others on board so that really the entire company was engaged. Lee and his team were given a pretty large budget and set about creating a greener future. And much of their work had more tangible applications as well. I viewed it as help mitigate climate change. Other people viewed it as making a smarter grid, which it did. But most of those projects were geared toward ensuring that we could have a more reliable grid, that we could have a cleaner grid. We also had really interesting projects, like one that would determine when a power line had broken and fallen, And instead of not noticing that and having it spark and create much potential for fire, we would know about it immediately and immediately de-energize that line as soon as it broke, even before it hit the ground. So that's the kind of projects I'm talking about, projects that could really, really help people. After winning awards, developing life-saving and even planet-saving technologies, Lee got a call they were about to announce that the renewable side of the company was being sold. So when they did that, it was very damaging to this new line of focus I had to help change the world. So I really did uh, begin to make plans to leave right then. And even before the company was officially sold, I had left and I had started Crevat Energy Innovations. What I decided right off the bat was it was going to be about my mission and not about money to the point where I rarely asked for money to do anything. I just wanted to be about getting stuff done. Through Cravat Energy Innovations, Lee has helped launch four startups and now sits on the board of 12 companies. One of these is Pi Energy. They have a solar material that can be produced locally anywhere in the world rather than having to ship it. The amount of money, the capital to invest to build a factory is 10% of what it costs today. The materials are 10% of the cost of what it costs today. So that's a world-changing thing. Every city can have their own solar production. That is a game-changer for everyone in the world. It's these huge leaps that Lee is constantly looking out for and making happen. But at the age of 58, he's never been more dedicated to his path. While I still don't feel I've achieved my grandmother's desire for me or my own desire for myself, I do feel like I'm on a great track to do it. But for me, if I'm going to really achieve it, I need to see some of these companies go all the way and really make a difference to people in the end. Lee's sense of mission seems to know no bounds, as well as helping to set up multiple companies and contributing to a dozen boards. He now has his own podcast called The Climate Champions and performs speaking gigs in order to inform the world about the changes we need to make. It's also worth noting that Lee's neighbor has now set up a company in climate change mitigation, no doubt at least in part inspired by Lee's passion to make a positive difference. Clearly, Lee's grandmother saw something really special in that little boy back in Brighton Beach. The rest of the world may now benefit from the drive and belief that his grandmother's faith in him helped to provide.
If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week. Thanks so much for listening. Now you probably know I'm looking to grow this show. Since you're here, I'm guessing you're a fan, but you might not know how to help. Here's how. One, tap follow wherever you're listening. Two, give it a five-star review on your podcast app. This helps more people discover the show. Three, send this episode to one person. They'll thank you for it later. I really appreciate your help. See you on the next one.